0: Excited to be here? Yeah. Did you come expecting? Like seriously, did you come expecting? Man, I hope you did. I hope you did. You know, when when somebody gets up here to minister, you actually pull on the anointing that's on them, right? Like your spirit links up with their spirit and you just pull on the anointing that God's placed on their lives. So I hope you're ready to pull. I hope you're ready to pull. It's time to give, it's time to tithe, it's time to sow. And so um, we just want to let you know that there is a text-to-give number. The info is on the seat back. There's envelopes. If you're online, there's an the online giving tab. Um, plethora of ways. Make yourself available to those. So if the ushers want to go ahead and stand, we'll just keep going. Father, I thank you for your goodness, Lord. I thank you for just your grace and mercy. Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you that it cleanses and washes. And Father, I just pray. Right now, Lord, I pray just that our hearts would be prepared to receive your word and that it would accomplish everything that it's sent out to do. Lord, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that we would yield and submit to him and however he wants to move. Father, I thank you for the, the, the gift and the giver, the seed being sown. Father, that it would be multiplied because you do so much more with it. Everything we, we, we pray, we, we just thank you, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen.
1: Amen. Good morning, Lake Church. Hallelujah. God is good and greatly to be praised. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, just turn to Psalm 145. And uh, the Lord has given me a mandate this morning. He said, Proclaim, this is what He told me this morning. He said, Proclaim my goodness to the weary. Proclaim my goodness to the weary. And uh, what he meant by that is that over the last couple of years, there's just been a weariness in the body of Christ. Hello, Barbie. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Amen. Hallelujah. There's been a weariness on people. And people have been confused at some of the things that they've had to go through over the last two and a half years. And it's caused them to question the goodness of God. And that's one of the main ruses of the enemy, one of his main deception, is to get you to question the goodness of God. If he doesn't get you to question, he begins to change your definition of what goodness is. And there's no lack of people that speak from pulpits all over the land that will help you with that definition and cause you to believe that God is duplicitous or divided And that he operates in the shadows. But We're going to find out real quickly what the Bible says about God and who he is. Because we don't need to be confused. Amen? We don't need to be confused by when someone comes up and says that God does this or God does that. We're going to be educated. We're going to have that unction on the inside of us that says, No, that's not my father. My father, the word of God says this and the word of God says that. Amen? It's amazing how we take one scripture and we try to make that the whole of God. We try to make that one simple incident in the Old Testament and we begin to make our whole theology of God based upon that one scripture. The Bible agrees. It takes work on your part to put the pieces together, but the pieces all make a beautiful portrait of Jesus. Amen? And so going to just explore that here because i'm finding as we've went through these perilous times many have lost their jobs many have lost loved ones during this pandemic many have lost relationships and have been hurt over this entire situation from the lockdown to the residual effects of everything that has went on it has caused many believers to scratch their heads and wonder where God is in this situation. And, uh, you know, I've wrestled with it, too. I wrestled with it, and there's been many deep, uh, you know, uh, very intense conversations with the Lord about situations that have been going on in my life. I know that you've had them, if you're a person of prayer, where you're just kind of just like, God, what what is going on? You know, it just seems like a lot of people are going home. How many... A lot of people are going home to heaven, you know. There, there's, I've had friends that have passed away uh, that i prayed for. And so the enemy comes in to try to confuse us as to who is doing what. And there are people that are more mad at God than they are the devil in the church. Hello. <clears throat> but I'm here to tell you, our God is a God. I said our God is a good God. Amen. We've got to define it from the Bible, not from our personal experience, and not from the experience of anybody else that gets up here and teaches or preaches. We've got to go by what the Scripture says, because this is our guide. The Word of God is the truth of God. It is Jesus in Word. Amen? This book will heal you. This book will fill you. This book will set you free. This book will take every demon and cast them into the pit. Amen? This is the living, vibrant Word of God. And it is the only truth in the world today. Hello? Boy, that amen gets light when I said that. It's the only truth in the world today. Did you know the only light in the world in the world right now is the Word of God? Yeah. Hello. Now, when you receive it, you become light. But it's the only light. There's a lot of religious text out there, a lot of sacred words, so to speak, but they don't have the light. Come on now, speak to me. Hallelujah. I need some help. Nine o'clock was a little sleepy. So I need your help. Amen? So we're going to talk about the goodness of God. And it's amazing to me what we blame God for. Because me as a father, just me as a father, if I was um, guilty of doing the things that God is being uh, necessarily told that that he is guilty of, I'd be in jail today. I mean, I would be in the innermost prison. (laughs) I'd be in a bad way. But yet, like I said, more people are God than they are the devil in the church. God did this. Or here's the religious version. God allowed this. Well, if I know something's going to happen to my son, and I don't intervene and try to help and assist, I'm an accomplice. God's not an accomplice to the tragedy and the pain that you went in. He's not secretly planning things, and we're going to prove it from the Bible. Not because someone said, someone said, someone said, but from the scriptures. And my goal here today is not to wow you with my great understanding. I'm here to teach the simplicity of the goodness of God. Because he asked me to proclaim his goodness to the weary in soul. And people are weary today and we need to lift the standard. I said we need to lift the standard of the goodness of God so that we will no longer be confused. When we see this and we see that because what's coming upon the earth it's not going to get any better, guys. And and what tribulation does it puts tremendous pressure on us to conform to ideas not biblical that are not scriptural. And in order for something to be scriptural, it has to have scriptures. (laughs) Amen? Amen. It can't be I thought or so-and-so said or what, you know, my mentor said this, my pastor said this. You can't go by that. Jesus did not attack the devil by saying, Brother Hagin said. (laughs) Never said that. He said, it is written. It is written. He was one with the word of God. He, he had the word. He knew the word for himself. He didn't say, well, I think I read somewhere in that. I think it might say this somewhere. First Nicodemus. Amen. Amen. He knew the Word of God. We're going to have to know the Word of God to be able to rightly discern between what is good and what is evil. Because there's human good out there. And you can can be deceived with human good. The goodness of God is the highest qualification. It's the highest standard, and I'm going to prove it to you. Amen? So let's look at our text in Psalm 145. Psalm 145. And this is a, a song of praise from David now how many realize that David lived a very complicated life with the Lord amen i mean if he put his relationship with the Lord status it would put it's complicated come on now it's complicated and how many have went through seasons of that where the your relationship with the Lord is complicated you know i've been going through a complicated season myself And situations and circumstances of my life have drastically changed And responsibilities have shifted And things have, you know, happened That have caused me to emphasize certain areas of my life That I once took for granted You know, you can find yourself in transition And transition can be dangerous It can be very dangerous If you don't keep the standard of the Lord before you Because the enemy likes to come in times of transition and confuse you Get you to thinking, well, God's putting this on you because He's trying to refine you, He's trying to do this stuff. Listen, I'm just gonna say this right from the get-go. <clears throat> God instructs you, corrects you, and develops you with His Word. God instructs you and develops you by His Spirit. God instructs you and develops you by ministry gifts that speak the word of God by the Spirit of God in your life. Those are the ways God teaches people. He doesn't need to a cancer and put it on you to instruct and teach you he said I will instruct you in the way that you should go I will guide you with my very own eye he's not using the tools of the devil to educate his children now can he cause you to overcome in situations that would be invaluable to you and in instructing you on how to get out of a situation that will fortify your life absolutely he will always turn the evil over to good if you will allow him to but I'm here to tell you we need to stop blaming God for the devil's actions we need to put the blame where it's supposed to be Stop pointing fingers at our neighbors, at our spouses, at our children, at our bosses, and start blaming the devil. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And I'm preaching way better than you're saying amen. I'm here to tell you, friends, God is good. God is absolute good. He is the very substance of good. Anything good in your life is of God. Amen. Amen. I'm going to shake you up. I know this is Sesame Street, but we got to go back to the ABCs. I mean, it's amazing how many people trip up. God is good, the devil bad. They trip up over that. They got preachers that will tell them that God is in cahoots. With the devil, and there's no truth to that. There's no scriptural evidence of that. Start using the Book of Job. Why don't you read the Book of Job? What, what, that would help you. Just read it. Yeah. Read it without those colored glasses that to show you this religious way of looking at Job. There's more people know about Job's boils than they do Christ stripes. I'm here to tell you the cross changed everything. Yeah. I said the cross changed everything. I said the cross changed everything. I think God deals with people the way that he did in the Old Testament when the cross is right in the middle of that. Jesus came to change everything, and he did. Praise God. We're living like, you know, God's just putting planes into buildings and things of that nature, and he's causing all this calamity and the war in the Ukraine. It's all God's doing. Oh, we're going we're gonna to find out from the Scripture. Oh, come on now. All right, Psalm 145. I tell you what, I, you might be here till 3 o'clock. I don't know. I'm telling you, the Lord's good. I'm fired up today. You know, I don't know. You know, I love my dad. My dad's a good man. Was he a perfect man? No, he's not a perfect man, but he's a good man. He he he. He adopted me took me in provided for me gave me a wonderful example of someone That worked hard and and used his mind and and I mean, I couldn't I couldn't think of a better example of a man than my dad And if someone came to me and began to malign my father and began to talk bad about him Well, I would I would have some words about that But yet the devil comes and begins and some preachers come and tell you about a God that does shady stuff on the backside of your life that he put sickness on you to teach and train you or brought you into poverty so that you could humble yourself and be more closer to him. And you sit there and you just take it in when the Bible doesn't teach that. That is not God. God does not humble people. If he humbled you, he'd have to humiliate you. And God is not in the humiliating business. Now your decisions can humiliate you and your enemy can humiliate you and you can humiliate yourself. There is therefore now no condemnation to those. Come on now. Hello. We're blaming God. And there's people stuck in this house this morning, stuck in their life right now because they think God's got them there. Oh, they'd never say that to anybody. They'd never go to a prayer meeting and say, pray for me, you know, God's got me stuck in this bad situation that'll teach me something, but I don't know what. They'd never say that, but they think it. And the enemy's sure fortifying that and continuing to throw that accusation after accusation after accusation. I can't get rid of these symptoms. I can't get rid of this sickness. I can't get rid of this. And we're all thinking that God's purifying and purging us and things of that nature. And all the while, it's the devil afflicting our lives. David knew something about God. He was an imperfect man, but he was a man after God's own heart. How many of you have committed adultery and then had the husband killed? It's a short list. Hopefully in this house, it's a short (laughs) list. It's a pretty short list. But my goodness, he did. But yet he was still called a man after God's own heart. Why? Because when he was confronted With the truth of his sin, he repented. He repented, and he turned to God. Amen? And David did other things. David was a womanizer. David liked the ladies. In fact, when he was old and about to die, they couldn't really read whether or not he was going to go. So they said, bring a young maiden and have him lie next to him, and if he don't warm up, then he's as good as dead. That's my (laughs) paraphrase, but that's what the Scripture says. David did not have good relationships with his sons. He wasn't considered father of the year. He was absolutely imperfect in the way he lived his life, but yet he was a man after God's own heart. So when he's talking about the goodness of God, he's talking from the realm of experience. He's talking from the fact that he's been in the valleys and he's been to the mountains, and he has come to know and understand the goodness of God. Now, there are many Christians that are not persuaded about the goodness of God because they haven't walked through the valleys. They haven't went to the mountaintops. They haven't initiated any kind of, of walk with the Lord in their life at all. They're just going by what other people say. But David was a person that experienced. He said, though I make my bed in hell, thou art with me. And you've got to know the Lord. Because when you're putting that bed sheet on in hell, you've got to know the Lord to know that he's with you. And there's many times in my life where I've faced darkness and faced things that just were too big for me. They were just overwhelming in my life. But I knew that God was with me. But I'm telling you, everything, everything that was in my life was telling me he wasn't. Amen? And you may be in that situation this morning. You may be in a situation in which you feel like everything is against you. And that God is silent concerning you. And even in the last few weeks, you know, Karen and I have experienced things in which we we have experienced the silence of the Lord. But we always were persuaded of his goodness. Because once you get persuaded on this, there's no turning back. Once you get persuaded on his goodness, there's no knocking you off. There's There's no way you're stumble and fall. Amen? You may not hear him all the time, but you know him, yes. and you know who he is, and that's really what we're supposed to go on, friends. Yeah. Yes. Words from God, and I'm going to say something that's going to... <laughs> words from God, rhema words from God should be rare, yeah. come on. but operating in the... Knowing of who he is and what he does should be every day. You're not going to get a word every day. I'm sorry. I get a little freaked out when people get this stuff every day. I'm not saying God doesn't talk to you and stuff like that. I'm not saying that at all. But I mean, people getting specific things every day, I get a little leery of that. Especially when their life doesn't line up and when crisis comes, they don't know who God is. Yeah, well, you just got a word from Him. Why are you frantic? Why are you fearful? Why? why? Come on. <laughs> I'm preaching. Oh, oh. I'm, I'm saying some things. Amen. Pastor needs to say stuff. Amen. Hello. Goodness gracious. All right. David is speaking from experience. He's speaking from going through it. Notice stole you, my God and king. And bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your might mighty acts. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all of His words. Oh, let's say that about ten times. The Lord is faithful in all of His words. Amen? Amen. Do you believe that? The Lord is faithful in all of His words. And kind in all of His works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Well, let's let all flesh bless his holy name. We just bless Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen? Now, I like the the scripture here that says, They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Is that what the church has been doing? No. No. The goodness of God has been hijacked by the enemy. And he has created a smear campaign to try to get the world confused about who our God is. And if we present a God that is not scripturally accurate, then we're doing them even more disservice than not telling them the gospel at all. Amen? So it's imperative that we get a hold of this. Amen? So I've kind of got a video here, and I'm going to set it up because it's going to take them a little bit to set it up. But um, you'll have Kenny Powers to thank for this video. He showed it to me. And basically this was made by a, um, um, a pastor that got sick and tired of people misinterpreting Jesus and who he was and what he was about. Majority of not people here, no one here, okay? You guys are perfect and wonderful and everything just works out really well. But majority of people kind of have cleaned my life up to make me acceptable to God type of Christianity, It just seems like I'm continually to work on my sin to draw closer to Him. But the truth of the matter is this, is that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you don't have to work on your sin to get closer to Him. You need to be at the right hand where you are positioned and placed, and the right hand of God, and then allow God to work and flow through your life. Amen? Amen. And so we've got a, a really a blanket of what we would call sin consciousness in the church. And so people don't have a righteous consciousness, an understanding of the blood of Jesus. In fact, we have basically undermined or devalued the blood of Jesus when we continue to wrestle with sin consciousness. I'm not saying that we shouldn't deal with sin. I'm not saying that if you sin, if you shouldn't deal with it, that you shouldn't confess it and repent of it and seek to remove yourself from it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying there is no, therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Amen? And it's important for us to understand that condemnation robs people of their joy and of their peace in their walk with the Lord. And there are instigators of that where the devil will come in and basically preach to you a condemning message that is seemingly from the Lord. Amen? And we need to understand that God is satisfied. God is not dissatisfied. Oh, come on now. God is not dissatisfied. God is satisfied. And to say any different is to call the Bible a lie. To say any different is to call God a liar. Jesus Christ is the propitiation for your sin. That means that he is the payment for your sin. God is satisfied. He doesn't deal with us like he did in the Old Testament. We don't respond to a perfect law. We respond from a perfect son. Jesus changed everything, but yet it creeps over. It creeps over on this side of the cross our lack of understanding of all that he did, the fact that a perfect and complete work was done in Jesus and has delivered us from everything, but yet the enemy comes in and tries to redefine the goodness of God, that tries to religiously uh, confuscate the clear picture of the Messiah, Jesus. And this is what many people believe that Jesus is like. Let's look at this little video here.
2: Do you think he can fly? Shh! Here he comes! Well, alright. Now it's time for me to tell you all what you've done wrong since I last saw you. And don't try and hide because I'm Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter. You lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with the hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. Moving right along, John, you drank too much wine the other night. Not way too much, just enough to make me angry. Matthew, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And Thomas, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours. Let's see, and you... I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for (laughs) now. Scylla, I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. Thaddeus, I hate to say I saw you stick up your middle finger so someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. Jacob, I don't mind you saying my name but not after you stub your toe. Frank, you know what you did. I just can't repeat it because I'm Jesus. All right, all you sinners, come with me. It's time to pay the piper. (laughs) There's only one cigarette. i heard that. Look at all these sinners. All right, listen up. Listen to me, I'm Jesus. Listen to what I have to say. I have done many wonderful things. I have healed many people of diseases. I have performed many miracles so that I can tell you this,
1: you're all evil, there is no hope. That's it. Thank you. (laughs) A lot of people have that concept of the Lord I'm here to dispel that, amen (laughs) let's look at Psalm 118 Psalm 118 turn back if you're at Psalm 105 to Psalm 118 this is one of my favorite scriptures it'll probably be on my tombstone should I not go in the rapture it says uh, oh give thanks to the Lord for he is what for he is what for he is what Good. We have to remind ourselves of that. Amen. For he is good and what? His steadfast love or his mercy endures how long? Forever. forever. His steadfast love uh, endures forever. Amen. Let yeah. me remember the scripture. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. What? Good. good. It's good for us to say that. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Good, Amen? Now, notice that two, uh, two things are in that verse. Taste and see. Amen? Taste and see. Now, when it comes to physical eating, we do the reverse. We see before we taste. Amen? Now, I like apples. How many like apples? But when I pull an apple out from the bin of the apples, I look it over. I see first. I'm looking for soft spots. I'm looking for bruising. I'm looking for the occasional, you know, insect that bores in there. And uh, before I wash it and before I bite into it. So I'm seeing and then I'm tasting. Okay. I'm expecting and seeing that it is good for me. And then I taste it. Okay. And then I, but we need to understand that in the kingdom of God, it works in reverse. We taste first. And then we see. Do you understand what I'm saying? You'll never see victory unless its taste is in your mouth. You'll never see healing until the taste of it is in your mouth. What I mean, God's good things come from the bin of the wells of salvation on the inside of you. And when healing is spoken forth through the scriptures, it's released out of your mouth and that goodness comes out and you're able to see your, come on now, taste and see. The Bible says that you satisfy my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. How do we receive from God? We don't receive from God by taking something in. We release something out. We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth and we release the goodness of God into our situation and we're able to see the reality of that goodness as we have first tasted which is experienced and then our perception changes. Amen? Have you ever tried to explain the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you were never baptized in the Holy Spirit? It's just not something that you're able to do. I mean, I wasn't able to do it, clearly, because I first had to taste. Yes. Amen? It's the same with salvation. You tried. I heard salvation all my life. Every time I went to church, I heard the message. People came to me and shared salvation message with me, but it wasn't until I tasted that I began to see the transformation. Amen? Amen. So God wants to create experience in you that changes your perception of how you live your life. And when it says what we Taste and to see is the goodness of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God wants to show his goodness to you, but you must embrace it in your heart. You must believe it and make sure that it, it, it is sacred to you that you're not going to allow anything to knock that off out of your mind and out of your life, that you're convinced God is good, regardless of what my body says, regardless of what my bank account says, regardless of what relationship status I'm in. God is good. I have settled that in my heart. You've got to do it. Now, this word good that is in the Psalms and in in the New Testament, as well is a noun it's a verb and it's an adjective it's a noun it's a verb and it's an adjective you know Psalm 19 verse 68 says God you're good and you do good so he's a noun because God is good God is good that's a substance of who he is good amen God is good but he also does good, which is a verb. But then he's described by other psalmists as good, which is an adjective, a descriptive word. Good is a qualitative term. It's a it's a it's a level of standard, it's a level of quality. Now the devil wants you to believe that there are things that are better than good. But in God's kingdom, good is the highest. Type of quality. It's absolutely the highest level. Now if you go to a bed and breakfast or you go to, uh, you know, and have a pro, you know, try out a product, they'll give you a survey card. And most of the time they'll have good, better and best. Well this is a sigh up of the devil. He wants you to believe that there's something better than good. But when God created the world in that time period where we see the creation hymn, he said, and he saw that it was good. And he saw that it was good. And he saw that it was good. And then he says, and he saw that it was very good. Good. So God can only bring forth what he is and who he is. The substance of creation is the substance of God. That's the reason why we see good things in the earth, but we got a whacked out system. Because God is good. It's who he is. He's a noun. Praise God. He does good. He operates in the verb of actions of good. Come on, now get a hold of that. God does good things. I said God does good things. He's not just good, but he does good things. And when we give our praise back to him, we say you are good, and that's the adjective. Amen. So it's qualitative. So in the kingdom of God, it is the highest level. Good. We can say nothing better. In fact, Patrick was here this this morning and and he said he began to praise the Lord and began to use every possible word he could do to, to, to describe his devotion and love for the Lord. And it all came down to one word. God, you are good. And that is the highest level. Of, come on now. That's the highest level of praise. That's the highest level of quality. God's goodness is the ultimate standard. It is the ultimate level. There's no better. There's no best. There's only good when it comes to the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So this is what I got, this quote from A.W. Tozer. (coughs) And I want us to read it here. It says, What comes into our mind when we think about God... Is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It matters what you think about God. And the devil knows it. So he wants to alter the definition of God's attributes. And he wants you to believe things that are not true and accurate about God. Amen? He wants to redefine good. You know, if we were to look at certain words and I was to ask each one of you what a certain word means or how do you define a word... How many realize that you use words and you don't really know the definition, the true definition of those words, but you've heard them used in conversation, so you use them? But see, the inherent, now listen to this, the inherent power within the word is its definition. See, you can only extract the power of that word if it's properly defined. So what the devil does is he... Begins to use semantics to try to change and alter the word where it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. And so that's the reason why we have different kinds of alterations every year from the dictionary, is because he is seeking to dilute the power of words. And so he has sought to dilute the power of good. He wants the word good not to mean what it's supposed to mean. And in fact, in our culture, good takes on the characteristic of mediocre. Oh, it's just good. Oh, it's good. We'll just leave it at that. We can't get anybody, so it's just good. That is a direct attack. Oh, you're not... De- That's a direct attack on the fact that the standard by which all things should be measured... It's by the goodness of God. If it's altered in any way, it's diminished in any way, you cannot set your feet upon that rock of Jesus Christ and believe his word because if you don't understand goodness, you will not have the faith to operate in it. Are you with me? See, we've got to define what goodness is by the scripture. We've got to define it from what God says it is. Because he's the one that has declared, I am a good God. Amen? Let's look at this scripture over here. Let's go to Exodus. This isn't in my notes, but uh, this is really, really a powerful scripture. How many remember the time when, when Moses said, show me your glory? How many remember that? Show me your glory. And God says, I can't show you you can't look upon my face and live. So I'm going to put you in a cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass before you. And notice how he begins to bring his glory so that Moses can see it. He does it through declaring. He does it through proclamation. Amen? And notice what he says. Let's look at 34 and verse number 6. It says, The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed. See, right now, I'm going to proclaim what God's proclaimed about himself, and it's going to cause you to come alive. It's going to cause you to feel the goodness of God in your life. Because he said, Proclaim my goodness to those who are weak, to those who are tired, to those who are afflicted. Proclaim my goodness, because that is the key. The goodness of God is the key. And what do we wrestle with most in our mind? It's whether or not God is truly good, whether he's truly who he said he was, and truly what he said he's gonna do. Is he gonna is there any shadow of turning with him? Is there any underhanded deal? Is there anything that he's holding back from me? That's what we wrestle with. But when we get to the solid place that God God is good regardless if my body is cooperating or not. That God is good whether my marriage is where I want it or not. God is good whether my bank account is where I want it to be. God is good. I can go through any storm. I can face any challenge. Because I'm persuaded. Amen. Amen. And, and some are not persuaded. But notice what the Lord says about himself. Now, if we were, you know, had you stand up and give your name and tell us something about yourself, you'd think about it, wouldn't you? You'd think about it. Well, you know, you know some of you give your zodiac sign. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> okay, but you'd think about what you're saying. Well, I'm telling you, the Lord, don't you think he's going to, he doesn't say anything without It being what he's supposed to say. And so he declares, he proclaims, and he says this, The Lord, the Lord. Notice he uses that twice. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. Oh, that's a good time to shout and say amen. He declares... He doesn't say, I'm big and bad bigger than anything, and you don't dare cross me. That's the way a lot of people preach about God. You don't dare cross me because I'll just smite you. I'll smite you with my, you know, yeah, smite me, old smiter, you know. (laughs) I mean, I'll smite you and I'll throw that lightning bolt and I'll burn your house down. You better not deal with me because I'm big and I'm bad and I'm mean and don't get on the wrong side of me. And that's the way a lot of people preach God. God himself introduces himself and proclaims his glory. And his glory isn't in his judgment. Oh, come on now. His glory is in his mercy and in his graciousness, slow to anger. Oh, my goodness. People don't realize God's slow to anger. <laughs> you think the minute you miss it, man, bam, you're out. You're out on the outskirts and, oh, my gosh, how do I get back, you know? So you spend 30 years repenting for one action filled with guilt and shame and never come into a full realization in Christ Jesus because you didn't realize that he's slow to anger. Because guess what? In this world, we're all used to quick to anger. We're all used to quick. Man, short fuses. God's got a long, long, long fuse. And where we get aggravated with someone, God ain't even got it burning yet. Have you ever been so aggravated with somebody and the Lord tell you, settle down. (laughs) Give them a break. Hello. Well, that's that's the slow to anger. Amen. He's slow to anger. Hallelujah. He is abounding in steadfast love. Steadfast love means covenant faithfulness. That means that you can rely. Steadfast means that it will never pull apart. It will never come out. It's like a hold as you're climbing a mountain. It will never come out. You'll never be in a situation where the wind is blowing in your life to such a degree that the thing will come. You might, you might <laughs> take your hands off of it, but He is steadfast. You understand what I'm saying? It won't come. You 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 cry on Him. You. Put your faith in him, he'll never, never yes. Amen. release himself from you. Amen? Glory to God. This is a good God. Love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Notice he lists all three. <laughs> he lists all three. He lists the sin nature, he lists the act of sin. And he lists the the iniquity of self-will, where I'm making my own decisions and living my own way. He says, I forgive all those. Oh, my gosh. Oh, can we just lift hands and thank the Lord for forgiving us. Amen? Glory to God. He forgives all those. Amen? Hallelujah. But who will by no means clear the guilty? Now, we shouldn't be afraid of that scripture at all because Jesus is the payment for our sin. So we're not guilty. We've been declared innocent by the blood. Come on now. We've been declared innocent by the blood of Jesus. So we shouldn't fear this scripture at all. But he's saying those that continue to resist, I will not clear them. Why? Because he's a just God. And that's good news. Because you need a God who is just and is going to do good, righteous things. Amen? And so he, he's a just God. He will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Amen? So God declares himself as good. Now let's go over to the New Testament, to the Gospel of John. You got a few more moments? Are you getting anything out of this? I'm telling you, you've got to know that God is good. John chapter 10 and verse number 10. Jesus comes to delineate between uh, God and the devil. And this was not common knowledge in the in the Old Testament. This was not. This wasn't common knowledge when it came to the Sanhedrin. You see, they attributed things to God that were not of God. Okay? And so Jesus comes and he changes everything. He just turns that entire world up on his head. And they want to kill him because of it. Okay, but it wasn't until Jesus' ministry that we began to see the hidden war, the the secret war that was behind the scenes. Everybody thought it was about just being in religious devotion to a God over all other gods, and that was it. They didn't realize that there was an invisible war, God against the gods. They didn't realize that until Jesus comes on the scene. And then demons start manifesting in synagogues. And what defined his ministry above all the ministry of the Sanhedrin Was the fact that he was able to cast out devils and heal the sick And notice there's no delineation between the two Amen And so here he begins to delineate even more And he's talking to the Pharisees here And um, he's saying this He says the thief cometh only To steal and kill and destroy But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly so here he is delineating some, some very simple truth here. But there are many people that are confused about this. The thief is the one who steals, kills, and destroys. He says, but i am come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. So if it steals, if it kills, if it destroys, it's not of God. I said, if it steals, if it kills, if it destroys, it's not of God. Amen. Hello? If it steals, kills, and destroys, not of God. He came to bring life and to bring it more abundantly. Amen? Amen. So that means that does sickness steal from me? Does sickness kill me? Does sickness destroy me? Absolutely it does. Does divorce steal from me? Does divorce kill something? Does divorce destroy something? Absolutely it does. Does me being broke and impoverished, does it steal something from me? Absolutely it does. Does it kill something? Yeah, it can kill a whole lot of things. It can kill my business. It can kill my relationships. It can kill my marriage. What about destroying? The word destroy means to be brought to nothing, to be brought to absolute nothing. Okay, will that destroy me? Absolutely it will. It can bring me back to nothing. That's not of God. Some of you are wrestling with things and saying, this is God. God's doing this to me. God's keeping me in this place. No, it's your stupid decisions, and it's a stupid devil that is keeping you in that situation. Oh, come on now. Well, I believe all things happen for a reason. Yeah, one reason is that you're a dumb butt. That's just all there is to it, friends. That's just all there is to it. I have to be very blunt with you on that. people come oh, It doesn't say that in the scripture. It says, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. Right. There are people that don't love the Lord. That's right. That's all things do not work together for everybody. That's right. That's right. It works for those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. That qualifies the goodness of God in that situation. You don't just get it because you're breathing air. Because there's a lot of people that good things aren't happening to them. I just think it'll work out. There's people been waiting for it to work out for 30 years. Are you with me? We're We're just silly. I just think we're so incompetent. Because, you know, we think of things that... that, uh, That's the reason why he's given us the mind of Christ. It's because we're so stupid. I'm I'm just using that word to shake you a little bit. I'm not trying to demean you. But our thinking is so impaired that we need a word from God to be able to straighten it up. Hello. Well, God had some reason... No, maybe you shouldn't be playing with electricity. Well, God took him. He had some reason. Well, he was out in the street. You know, come on now. Oh, my goodness. And then we say God took him. Hello. Hello. You know, you have safety meetings, and you try to teach people safety, and they go out and they break the rules, and, but God took them. No, I think their stupidity took them, or their ignorance took them. God needed a flower. God don't need no more flowers. And you're not a flower. You're a person. Well, they got healed in the end when they died. Their body's in the ground or it's burned up or something, but it didn't get healed. See, we just, whoo, I mean, we just come on. I'm telling you, we are impaired. Yes. We need to start thinking the way the Bible speaks and stops going by our own. Yep. Amen. How I tell you what, I could go, I could go there, but I'm not. Yes. But notice what he says again. <clears throat> he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, that means there's other shepherds. Yep. Because good's a qualifying term. There's a bad shepherd out there. Amen? A good shepherd. You want to know what makes a good shepherd? Notice what he says. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus took your place to feed you and to care for you and to heal you and to deliver you and to cause you to live in peace. Jesus took your place. He became your curse. He gave his life for the sheep. And there's no greater glory of the shepherd than the glory of the sheep. It's the sheep's condition that speaks to the goodness of the shepherd. If you've got someone that's got sheep that all ragged and, you know, look like the wolf and chewed on them and spit them out, you know, and they're going down the road, would you say that that's a good shepherd? No, you wouldn't. But yet we begin to think about how ridiculous it is. We call God good, and we say God's good, but then we attribute His goodness to the plight and to the despair of His flock. Yeah, Yeah, He beat that one. Yeah, He got a little too close with the shears and just ripped it up. No, that's not the good shepherd. He left them open and the wolves came in there. That's not the good shepherd. Hello. I know this is ABCs. I know this is is Sesame Street, but this is life and death, friends. You're going to find yourself on the, in, in, in the hospital bed, and you're going to be wrestling with this stuff, and you need to solve it once and for all. God is good. I don't care how I got here. I don't care what happened in there. God's good. I'm going to settle that right now. I ain't going to find, and it will eliminate a great amount of warfare in your mind. It will eliminate it. And I'm telling you, the majority of your battles right here. It's right here in your mind. He wants to complicate your mind to where you can't believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. He's coming after your faith. See, we're not healed because we're good. We're healed because of a good Jesus. We're not delivered because we're good. We're healed because of a good Jesus. Oh, amen. Amen. I just spit all over my Bible. That's all right. So the enemy uses semantics to try to get us to think of goodness in a different way. Now, I don't, I don't have time to go through the rest of this because I went past. But one thing that we need to understand is this. Is that there is a way to authenticate whether or not good is being displayed or evil. And it's called the renewed mind. If I don't renew my mind to the Word of God, I have lost my ability to authenticate and discern between good and evil. Now, how many ever watch Pawn Stars? Anybody? Nobody will care to admit it. All right. (laughs) Well, I started watching, you know, some Pawn Stars on my phone. They have little collections of, of various things, you know, themes. And one of the themes was old books. People would bring these old books like first edition. I mean, one of them had um, the Gutenberg Bible and things of that nature, and they're wanting to sell these things to the pawnbroker. Well, the pawnbroker doesn't necessarily know whether this is a first edition of the Canterbury Tales or whether it's a first edition Pilgrim's Progress or, or whatever it is. It doesn't have any way of knowing that. And things can be forged, and things can be, they can look real. Now, get this, they can look real, but they're not. And so it's his job to be able to value that thing appropriately and accurately, or devalue it to where it's not put on someone else. Because once it's looked at, and it's deemed that it's not, you know, real or, or, or accurate, then it gets out you know of circulation okay now we got to think about this as or as uh, as uh, doctrines of devils there's doctrines of devils that come to our pawnbroker house and they're laid out on the table and they say God said this he's taking you through this to teach you something okay so people will lay this out and so what uh, Rick and Chumley and you know his son, uh, who's a weirdo, but uh, <laughs> um, will do is they'll call an expert in, like if it's a portrait or a painting, like Van Gogh or something of that nature, they'll bring in an expert to look at it and see if it's of the period and that it's legitimately of the artist. Because there are telltale signs to anybody who writes literature, anybody who does paintings, or any kind of art. There's always telltale signs. And it's also true in musicians. There are always telltale signs as to whether or not that's the person playing the certain instrument. Okay? There's nuances that people are miss clearly, but experts see. So they'll look at the paint... They'll look at the color of paint. They'll look at the paint composition. They'll look at the weaving of the binding of the book. They'll match it with the area or the uh, the the year that it was supposed, supposedly supposed to be created. And they'll just match everything up. And when it doesn't match, they'll say, this is absolutely worthless. Get it off the market. And therefore, it is marked and is no longer admissible in the public arena. Well, the enemy comes to bring all kinds of false things that seem to be real. They absolutely seem to be real. But we need an authenticator. And thank God we have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us and we have the mind of Christ. But the Holy Ghost works in in conjunction with the renewed mind. and we got to understand that. That it isn't just going to be the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. He's going to lead and guide us through our renewed mind. Our renewed mind gives us the direction to make the right and appropriate decision. And so when we're faced with something like that and we see something like that, we just need to go back to our experts. We need to go back to our experts to authenticate. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that we need not go any further than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When the devil says, this is of God, this is what he's doing to you, and he's trying to... Teach you something. I can go back to Matthew. I can go back to Mark. I can go. I can go back to Luke. I can go back to John. I can see Jesus, who is the express image of God's substance, and his substance is good. I can see that God, when God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I can look and see and authenticate the fact. That Jesus never blessed a storm. He never blessed a storm. He never cursed a city. He never even cursed the people that were crucifying him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus is the express image of God the Father. He is the absolute substance of good. Good. And to try to make him look any different is to be deceptive and you've got to make up your mind because what you're going through is telling you you know what God's put this on you God is teaching you something God permitted it he allowed it let's put up that last quote Any day. Our faith functions to the degree that we believe God is good. You can't get past it. That's the ceiling. That's the ceiling. If you don't believe God's good, you ain't going nowhere. If you believe for one instance that God is the author of the sickness in your body... You don't have an answer. There's no solution at all. Amen? Some of you hit the wall. And it's because your faith relies on the fact that you settle a very simple revelation. God is good and the devil's bad. I feel like I need Bert and Ernie up here. (laughs) But I'm telling you, it's life and death. There are people wrestling in hospital rooms right now with that question. There are people wrestling in prisons right now with that question. There's people right now debating the goodness of God right now in their homes. There's someone crying over a marriage that's failing and don't know anywhere to turn because they are not persuaded of the goodness of God. It's the simple things that get us. It's not the complexities of theology that trip us up. The devil knows this, and he'll let you go down that road all you want to because he can twist and turn and make it look like Even more to what he wants you to know by getting you to believe in that God is behind and controls everything. God's not into starving children, God's not into war, God's not into families being separated, people being destroyed. He says, he's not willing that any should perish. I said, he is not willing that any should perish. What do we read those scriptures? Do we believe them or do we not believe them? He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come, come to repentance. We're going to talk a lot, a lot about the grace and mercy of God in these next few weeks, because I believe the days that we're facing are days in which tribulation and pressure is going to be on you and you're going to have to make a choice because there's going to be information that's going to come to you that's going to say, you know what? God's behind this. The enemy's going to hurl accusation and say, God's the source of this. And you're going to be able to have to discern that. If Jesus didn't do it, the Father doesn't do it. If Jesus did it, Then God the Father did it because he said, I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. Not one time did he put sickness on people. Not one time did he not deliver somebody from the grip of the devil. Not one time did he bless any kind of tragedy. He worked to bring reconciliation, restoration, healing, and help. And that's the God that resides in heaven and in your heart today. He is the same God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you'll trust in him and you'll believe that he is good and you'll say, regardless of your circumstances, God is good and greatly to be praised, then you've got the right God on the scene. a lot to take in and maybe you're here and you've never experienced God's goodness but one of the greatest tastes and see that the Lord is good is to call upon his name and receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus paid and purchased for you we're going to have counselors that are going to be up here that'll help you in that maybe you're struggling today maybe you're struggling in your walk with God and you just need to reconnect with him well, I'm telling you, His goodness is still there. It didn't change. God never turned His back on you. Yeah. He's never left you. He never forsook you. But sometimes we need a prayer connection to, to, to help us. If you need that, then we've got people up here that will help you reconnect. But God doesn't just, He isn't just good, but He does good. And He gives good gifts. You know, James 1, 7 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. That means there's no underhanded deals with God. He doesn't lurk in the shadows. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. See, these these things are supposed to paint a picture to us. They're supposed to delineate between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. But it seems like we've stayed in this gray area in the church. No, God is light. There is no darkness in him. He's not doing something underhanded. He's not doing something behind your back. He's not withholding from you. His hands are open towards you. His face is towards you today. And it's because there was a man that was God and man that died on your behalf. And God's wrath was poured on him so that we could have a reprieve called a time of grace. But that time is wrapping up, guys. The judgment of God is coming, and we can see it every day as it marches closer and closer. The sinfulness of man and the rebelliousness of men that continue to side with the devil will one day have to face the judgment of God. But right now, God is calling out to everyone and anyone that will listen to the gospel and say, come to me. Come and be in my family partake of my son and receive life but he gives good gifts the baptism in the Holy Spirit healing in your body being delivered from demonic oppression they're all available here today why? because the goodness of God has been declared and he is here he came in with you he came in with me And he is collectively here in this corporate body as we are living stones, housing his living presence, coming together. The corporate anointing is here to break and destroy the yokes of bondage. So if you need that, it's available. Amen? God bless you guys.